Welcome to the Meteor Station Virtual Reality Podcast. In the world, the Olympics are going, which is surprisingly more related to VR than I would have expected at this juncture. So that's kind of neat. And we'll get to that later. And of course, there's always VR news that we'll be getting into. Today, we have the CEO from Happy Giant, which is the group that developed the new Sam and Max VR game as our guest. But for now, it's me and my constant co-host, Gruen. How's it going, Gruen? Great, great. Excited to be on the meteor. Here we are. Yes. <laughs> what goes on in your world? What's the Gruen update for the people? I, I'm just in search of a home, search of real estate. Look, you know, the I think real estate has gone crazy everywhere. Uh I well, I say everywhere. There's a lot of cities where houses are going for crazy prices and getting bid up and and all that. And I'm sure there are some cities where that's not the case, but I don't know where they are. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. Not. Yeah. So Gruen just arrived up here near me a couple days ago, moving the Carolinas. That's what it's yeah. about. Our Carolinas awesome on my mind. Relocated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's yeah, it's good. exciting. Yeah. So if anybody has a uh, house for sale, let me know. <laughs> is that opening? A, that's probably opening a can of worms. Yeah. Here, I have this shoe box. Is that what you want? It's pretty mm. good. It's in mint condition. Tempting. Sounds good. Yeah. Very nice. Um, as for me, I've, I just fixed my 3D printer using a guitar string. I had jammed it with some wood filament that was supposed to work, and it did not cooperate. So it was just kind of ruining the printer for a bit. But it's now online, so I'm going to be getting back into some man cave projects, which should lead to some pretty fun content for the channel. So hopefully you'll have that to look forward to, assuming I can get my man cave fixed up enough that I won't be embarrassed to film in it because it is currently a disaster. And hopefully I can make these projects happen, and they should be pretty cool. I know the first couple are you know, more heavily 3D printing related, but I'm probably going to get into some of those dumb robot things because I think they're funny. So yeah, that'll be so something. So if fun. we can go back just a little bit, you said you fixed your 3D printer with a guitar string and then you kept going. I take <laughs> it that is not what was recommended in the manual. I, you know, the first time I've read a manual is in that Quest 2 review when I had to wait for it to charge. Otherwise, I have no idea what's in the manuals, so okay. <laughs> I'm just going to assume it, it, that is the recommended thing. So. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I, I was trying to find something to clean it out, and I had these like tiny pins and stuff, and my wife actually suggested, hey, why don't you try one of your guitar strings? Those are really thin. It's like, you have a giganto brain. I will absolutely do that, and it worked, so... Okay, so that was for cleaning. It wasn't for like make, fixing it. You don't have a guitar string now in use on the printer. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's correct. I, it was, I thought it was being held together. It became unjammed. That would okay be hilarious. Just like okay. yeah, I got some gum and guitar strings and a little bit of dog yeah. hair, and it really fixed my printer. Yeah, and now it plays music when it prints. Yeah. I wish that was sweet. Maybe that should be one of my man cave projects. 
but uh, <laughs> I guess we should jump into actual news if that's all we've got for our own personal news. What do you think? Let's do it. You want to go first or me? Uh, into news. Well, I was reading, I, I know the thing that you alluded to, so I won't mention that at this point, but did you see the Harry Potter VR that's opening in New York? Tell so me I think they're opening it in different cities and it I, I'm pretty sure this opened on July 15th and so they are doing this I think that's the flagship store in New York and so I think it's only $35 you can do a Harry Potter VR experience where you are guided by Dobby me is oh, Dobby no. I know no, that's the, that's the downfall yeah. is it Dobby or Dobby I think it's I Dobby, Dobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, any, yeah. So that's that's kind of interesting. They're selling tickets, and people can go and do the Harry Potter experience and see what it's like at Hogwarts for yourself. You get to enter Hogwarts, and like that uh, would translate really, really well to VR because, like, the wand. I mean, you're already holding a wand. Basically, you're holding these controllers, and by doing the motions and whatever, that's the thing that's been utilized in like MMOs that have been getting made and whatnot, where you have to do the right movements to cast abilities or whatever. So that's already kind of there, and I could see the playing on the broomstick actually being pretty yeah. good because it's such a strange way to move anyway. I feel like it would be less nauseating because you'd still feel like you're fully in charge and <laughs> you don't really know what to expect on it anyway, other than maybe point a fan at yourself because you'd expect some wind. But other than that, I don't know. I think that yeah. could be pretty cool. I think there's a lot of parts of it that would do well with VR. So, And obviously they agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. What'd you, what did you see? So the one I was referencing with the Olympic thing was I, I was a little bit surprised by this but if anyone's seen racket nx and i'd done a post including racket nx a long while back and actually really liked it it's pretty fun but apparently they're trying to make it an olympic sport which is very relevant to current events but they got endorsed by the international racquetball federation which if i'm being honest i don't know what that means in terms of progression toward being an olympic sport but it's neat and i could actually see that being a pretty cool thing to watch it wouldn't just be someone flailing about with a mask on you'd get to see what they see and i would think they would set up like a mixed reality kind of thing so i could see that actually being kind of a cool event and if it's actually like in depth enough that it could be olympic level challenging where cyber athletes are competing that i could see that being kind of fun i don't know what did you think about all that well, so I saw something different. I thought you were going to talk about something different. The What I was referring to is that the Olympics is, is incorporating VR and AR into the Olympics for the spectators. So they have different things set up so that you can feel closer to the competitions. And then one thing that I was reading was they, they actually had a competition for people that wanted to compete on their home exercises from around the world in a huh. obviously non you don't get a medal but they yeah. they did compete on their exercises from around the world all connected by vr yeah really really cool i didn't know about that uh, yeah they getting to watch from like ground level and stuff has been 
integrated into sports and stuff for a while, which to me makes a ton of sense because instead of having to pay a bajillion dollars for ground level seats, you just have someone with a camera and then, you know, 10,000 people can have ground level seats or for Olympics, it's going to be more than that, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So So I wonder if we are headed in the direction where in 20, 25 years, it's going to be everything is just virtual and you you really just see everybody playing whatever the sport is from their couch from around the world <laughs> and you, you're you on a team and yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that would be awful, <laughs> but... Uh, it would. Like, because you, you do want to, like, for sports and stuff, you want the option to go there in person. I think there are enough people that would... It, you'd want both options where you could see it in person or not but the recent pandemic thing if that were to pop up again having a virtual olympics setup or something would be really really helpful that would potentially salvage the situation if it ever came to that again and there's some scary things out there, potential future pandemic things looming. So hopefully none of that comes to pass in our lifetimes, but we'll see. Yeah, agree. On to fancier, more fun topics. Uh, Facebook <laughs> is changing the Quest 2 to allow developers to integrate augmented reality. And at the same time, they lost their AR, VR. Well, I don't... I actually don't know if he was the head of ARVR. Um, I'll have to look. But he went to Netflix, which I thought was interesting. Netflix is starting a gaming division. So I'm assuming that's a VR gaming division. Maybe not. Maybe it's more than VR. But but why would they want the VR AR guy to come over unless it is? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Intrigued. So for for I wonder. So it's probably going to be a little extra. Probably still won't be the ten dollars a month or whatever it is now. Fifteen a month. Yeah. If that's, you want the gaming, it's probably going to be a little more. Who yeah. knows? Uh, I I would think that'd be one of those things where it's like you can get this or you can get this or you can package it if you would like for blah 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 blah. Um. But yeah, yeah I guess we'll see what all they create. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for the Quest 2 AR, I had not heard about it, but that was one of the pleasant surprises when I tried out the Quest 2. And it essentially makes it so that you can map out your room by getting to see the room with the headset on and you get to see this little blob get created, which for people that have that kind of setup, they're like, of course, but I have a Vive and I had not seen something like that yet. So that's that was cool for me. So it's nice that they're making it so that developers can actually utilize that because it's obviously something that's yeah. already built into the headset. So you may as well give developers more things they can do because in the end, that's just going to make you money if you unleash the developers because there are a lot of creative people out there. So yeah, Unleash cool. the developers. Get them in there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that was. So I'm just going to move on. Uh, but yeah, so going from Olympics to other things that can work up a sweat, I saw that Superhot had gotten review bombed. And what's crazy Ooh. is it seems like Steam actually removed those negative reviews, which I thought was really, really interesting. But the gist was that they decided to remove all the scenes that were alluding to self-harm. 
And so mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to spoil the game, even though it's been out for a while. So I don't want to drop examples, but like if you've played it, then you if you've gotten pretty far, you can think about some examples but i mean and they're like kind of like i don't know edgy or whatever the word is but it's i i think they're fun and it's not like encouraging real life self-harm or anything so i think it's a little weird that they would feel the need to remove those things but i guess people really didn't like that i mean for me it's like oh that's kind of dumb but i wouldn't go switch my review from positive to negative for it it's like a really minor part of the experience. So I thought that whole thing was a little bit hmm. strange and kind of interesting. So how come they were taking that out? They're they're trying to be react to something that happened or are they trying to do it before something no, happens? Or I don't know that answer. And that's a really interesting point. I hadn't heard of anything happening, but, you know, I... I could see that being a motivator if something did happen, which would be obviously mm. unfortunate. But I mean, who knows, really? Yeah. So just softening things up. So that's so that there's a, another release coming in August. I think August 24th. It's called "I Expect You to Die Too," mm-hmm. and I think maybe maybe they should consider changing that title to I "Expect You to Softly Fall Over into a Pile of Pillows Too." <laughs> let's just calm everything down let's just bring it down a yeah. notch yeah i you know honestly i i'd play that i expect you to fall over into a pile of into a pile or of whatever. Yeah. yeah i think that'd be quite fun gameplay but <laughs> you could you could make sure that you're in a room surrounded by many pillows and then you could actually do it while you play yeah absolutely true let's make that <laughs> okay yeah sounds like fun big brain moves right there yeah i actually ended up getting i expect you to die uh, previously there was like some cool bundle that included it and i was like oh i really wanted to play that i've only heard good things so i got it and then i completely forgot about it and got sidetracked by other games so that's actually a super good reminder that i need to go no life that game into completion and so i can be ready for i expect you to die too so <laughs> wow you own it and you haven't played it I know, isn't that ridiculous? It's supposed that to be really, ridiculous. really good. But in my defense, I was moving to the new house in that time since getting it, and things got hectic and baby and stuff. I have so many excuses. I I could just drop a million excuses right here now. It doesn't matter. Cool you game. still have. We we still are taking fifty points away from Gryffindor for that move. That's true. Regardless, we are still disappointed <laughs> Yeah, for the <laughs> Gryffindor thing. I actually was doing that for, I don't know if you actually saw the Quest 2 review, but I, I was doing the scoring in the Harry Potter thing. So I guess we're bringing all the themes of today all together, you know, Harry Potter and VR and reviews and content um, and all that. And expecting you to die too. And it's expecting all here. To, uh, where'd the pillows go? I thought I got Expecting to you to, and just fall in pillows. Well, yeah, too many pillows can be dangerous. I expect you to die and get reincarnated into a pillow. Ooh, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I guess, yeah. Well, uh, before we move into the other thought tangent that this whole brought up for me, I did see other news, which is that Haptex, 
raised $12 million for their haptics. Uh And looking at their haptics, they look really, really cool. So as someone that's interested in the progression of that, I am excited to hear that they got a bunch of money and will be further developing that. Because, I mean, fear is fun as is, but the idea of being able to like feel around like a box or whatever, like a treasure chest and see like, how's this combination feel like pick a treasure chest lock or something? I don't know. Uh, But it just like unlocks so many more things that can be added and you get Uh realism, you get additional game mechanics. There's just a lot of good stuff that can come of haptics. So pretty excited about that. Yeah. We need to get somebody from Haptics or Rococo onto the podcast. I agree. Yeah, true. Although that was my idea. I'm agreeing with myself. <laughs> well, I will also agree with you. So I'll throw That'd you that be interesting. one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I see if we can get them. Would, I'd be about it. Yeah. Let's see if we can make that yeah. happen. But I guess, did you have any other news before I tangent us? No, no. The only other thing that I saw that caught my eye was that Steam says over 60% of headsets being used on Steam right now are Quest 2. So Quest 2 obviously has done as well as we all figured. And uh, so I don't think it's a surprise to anybody, but, but there you go. Yeah, I 60% was pretty impressed with the Quest 2 overall. I, As I mentioned on every podcast, I really hate the forced Facebook stuff. That drives me absolutely bonkers. But for the price and how it, I almost, I did actually have a lot of issues with how it ran. It ran smoothly, but it actually crashed for me quite a bit. But I was also recording a lot, which I guess is extra strain or something because the recordings often were crashing and sometimes I would crash in general. But overall, it's like you can just walk around. It retains your play area or whatever. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's really good. So the more casual user that wants to jump in and play Beat Saber, it is very nice. I like it. Yeah. Makes sense that it's doing well. Well, should we move forward? Let's do it. So basically just some of the stuff that the other topics were making me think of, and it's been kind of top of mind lately for me in general, is just related to content creation as a theme, which is kind of a weird thing to talk about. And so I'm kind of curious how you listeners would feel about us talking about content creation from you know from our perspective as actual content creators because i feel like if we talk about the difficulties of content creation it's just going to come off as whining which i want to avoid because i don't want to just have the whiny podcast that's not a thing that i think a lot of people would find appealing but if i think about it from like if i were to watch this podcast or whatever and or is someone else talking about the same thing it'd be interesting to hear about the hurdles and the good and the bad and like the just the behind the scenes that people don't really see or think about like for instance one thing that's not really related to vr that was kind of weird was uh, i think it was yesterday yesterday or the day before uh so gruen here as you can tell by his name in vr chat is the guy behind web donuts and on reddit there was not just a repost of one of his comics but someone had changed the little bubbles to basically make his punchline worse <laughs> in one of his comics is one of his older ones but it was I, I guess you want to jump in here it's your comic i don't know why i'm <laughs> telling the story when it's yours no 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 i want to hear I want to hear all about it. All right. Well, 
basically a lion says Marco and a rabbit says Polo and another rabbit says shut up idiot and so obvious joke of lion trying to bait out the rabbit it's pretty funny but then you know someone changed the punchline to just be that but profane i was just like okay well i don't know that that added anything but they more importantly they took away everything that said web donuts so it's just like removing all credit and changing it slightly it's just so bizarre so it's just like Mm -hmm. a thing that you wouldn't think of if you just are clicking a reddit thing and it's just a comic you're just like oh neat and you like it or you don't and you move on but it's like someone made it (laughs) so it's weird but yeah, I guess I I'm not too surprised because I I know this happens a lot and people like to do that. They they like to take the art and an idea and then make it their own. And you know, I guess it's, it's like sampling a song for your own song. And yeah, I've seen it before. But on the on the it can go either way. I've seen things where people have taken somebody's art and changed it into something that becomes kind of a, a a bad symbol in society. And then other ways people have taken it and made it into such a big deal that the comic artist becomes a bigger comic artist. So yeah. you just hope it goes in the positive direction. But uh, yeah. yeah, most of the time they take off the credit of who drew it for whatever reason. Yeah, and so I think, I mean, even if in your image you take out the credit for me like as a content creator especially i if i were to tweak someone's comic i don't know why i would but if i did and it's this new thing i would in the description it would be one of the first things the original can be found here i just thought this would be funny blah blah blah. i just like to give credit where credit's due i guess but you're not surprised by it but i was surprised by it because i haven't done any comics in a long time and uh, you know, things like that are the kind of things I'm talking about, where if you're not involved in that space, then it's just like, oh, really? People do that? Yeah. And like another thing that was kind of interesting to me. So I made actually two Sam and Max videos. One was posted to the Meteor Station channel, uh, which was the Sam and Max gameplay. And that had the 360 degree footage. But while I was making that, I was realizing like this is the exact kind of game that people are going to be looking up walkthroughs on. So I was like, oh, I can make that. I've already figured out all these puzzles. So I'll just uh, make one of those. And I was the only one on YouTube that had this. And this is on my Donuts Rails channel. If you don't know about it, I just post like gaming videos, gameplay videos and stuff over there. But I made this walkthrough video that was really, really clear and concise with uh, timestamps for everything. And so it's like the perfect video if that's what you're looking for. And it was the only option. So I'd search exactly that to see if it's like coming up, how it looks, uh, all that stuff. And it legit didn't come up. It's just so interesting as a new or as a smaller channel, you just don't get impressions like I, you, we kind of have moved past that finally for Meteor where we do have actual subscribers. So we get some traction. But yeah, on this other channel, it, it did actually eventually take off a bit because it is like the perfect thing for if that's what you're looking for. So it's just so crazy. Uh, the exact right perfect thing and no impressions like literal exact title and it's just like would you like to look at old sam and max games that are from a decade ago i was like huh it's yeah a little too long-winded i I just thought that was strange just another thing you wouldn't think about outside of the industry so you're gonna have to call the person over at youtube that runs the the algorithm and get them to change it because obviously they don't factor in somebody that knows what they're doing but hasn't 
gotten a big following. Yeah, which I, I think that's my main takeaway. So that was a good, concise way to say something. It took me five minutes to say. Just relevance should be prioritized more heavily than it currently is. I, it's the most relevant video. So who cares that I have like 30 subscribers or whatever? Yeah, well, what I was going to say on the Reddit, it's funny to me because I've got something out on Reddit and people are reacting to it, but I didn't even post it. And when I do post things on Reddit, I usually don't get favorable responses or many responses. So if somebody else is getting a bunch of responses using my stuff, that's just kind of interesting. Yeah, it, isn't that strange? It is also like timing and all that stuff, which is luck. I don't know. It's just like, do the people browsing new like it today? And then it takes yeah. off or not. So if you're Harry Potter and you post a video about Harry Potter and you are Harry Potter, but you only have five subscribers, then you probably won't ever get seen. But the people that are posting things about Harry Potter who have a lot of subscribers but are not Harry Potter will get more. I was just trying to bring it yeah. back to Harry Potter for you some did. reason. You succeeded. Look at you. Okay. I don't know. There are so many examples. We could. I, I don't know that I'd want to do like a full podcast theme about this kind of stuff. But like, there are also good things too. But I mean, like for instance, VR chat. We're at their mercy when we're recording stuff in here. Like we, we currently can't sit because <laughs> it broke. You know, just that kind of stuff. It's right. just funny. Just stuff you wouldn't think about. I think they want us to buy new chairs. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. How much are they? <laughs> I don't know. I two ninety nine from previous episode. I think we said. Okay, we need to buy new chairs. Yeah, <laughs> but on the positive side, I'm a shark has been doing hilariously well. I know I mentioned it on the last podcast, but it's still it's doing still going well, which just cracks me up. I just love that people enjoy that kind of thing because it's like. In the thumbnail, it legit just labeled dumb music <laughs> and it's popping off. But yeah, probably helped by Shark Week a bit. But it's, but it's actually good. Bit. It's short. It's good. It's funny. And you need to listen to it. It's yeah, go find it. <laughs> how do they how do they find it? They it's go to the Meteor Station channel. YouTube channel and you'll see it in our most popular videos. It should be overtaking number one spot now. Yeah, it is the most popular video we've made to date. So thank you, Good. dumb shark. <laughs> you dumb shark. Speaking of content creation and all that, uh, we do have the CEO from Sam and Max will be bringing in shortly to talk to. I, I guess, should we just go grab them? We should. It's. I'm, I'm very excited because... You you're excited because, as you've said before, you grew up with that game and here it is in VR. And this is the person you, you need to listen because this it, he's got a pretty good background of things that he's he's brought to VR and he's got a great story. But this, I know, is is uh, kind of a personal high for you to be able to see Sam and Max in uh, in the same vehicle as yourself. Yeah. Yeah, like in a literal sense, we can ride in their car. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, very exciting stuff. Yeah, grew up with Sam and Max hit the road. It was awesome, and so I'm glad this guy brought it up to life. But yeah, let's go uh, chat with him. Okay, so we've got Mike here, the CEO of Happy Giant. Welcome, Mike. If you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and yeah, whatever you want to kick us off with. Sure. I am Mike, as you said, Mike Levine from Happy Giant. We've been a studio for mm, seven, eight years, um, always doing games at our core. Uh, we've done a lot of XR work in the past, AR, 
and VR, which kind of led us to this game, which we're here to talk about, Sam and Max. Um, my background, which maybe we'll get into more, but I worked at LucasArts in the 90s, um, then worked for a startup from ILM, with guys from ILM, I should say, and then uh, started my own companies, really, doing a mixture of our own stuff and service work. Cool. Awesome. Well, I want to hear about this uh, LucasArts. I'm sure everybody always asks you about that. You must have been in on some interesting projects. Any, any yeah. name dropping you want to do? Ah, <laughs> uh, I can, um, but those guys probably don't need it. No, I mean, it was an amazing time. Uh, definitely felt lucky to work there at the time, but as honestly as the years have gone on, I feel even more lucky just because you see and hear and experience other things in the games industry. And, you know, I knew that place was special pretty much a week into my first, you know, when I started there. And I did not plan on spending a lot of time there. I didn't even know I was going to have a career in games. I liked video games, but it was really just I needed a job because I thought I was going to go to grad school. Um, that didn't end up happening because really mm -hmm. as soon as I went there, I sort of felt that magic of that place and was sucked into, well, this is what games are always like. And I mean, I'm not saying it was easy. It was just a lot of creative people there in one building, collaborating together, you know, created yeah. the results that, that, end up, that ended up happening. And when you met those <clears throat> vibrant and different personalities, you know, and you put them all together. It was it was definitely <laughs> some fun times. Yeah. So you felt the magic. Did you feel the industrial light? <laughs> uh, when I walked over there, yeah, maybe. Um, no, it was funny because in my after I left there, eventually I did I did a startup with people from ILM, and one of my jobs was going around to all these different companies and just having worked at LucasArts, I could tell when I walked into a place, and these were post studios and animation, not necessarily games, but you could just tell within five minutes if that place kind of had that vibe, and not many did. But I remember visiting Pixar once, and I was like, okay, this feels like LucasArts used to. You could mm -hmm. tell pretty quickly. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Was this before the... Because I know a lot of game places tend to have the issue of like 80-hour, 100-hour work weeks and stuff because it's like such a desirable field that it's easy to end up in that kind of situation where uh, it just seems to be the trend. So was that like not the case at LucasArts? And I guess, yeah, you can talk to Happy yeah. Land a little bit First, too, I guess. So. Sure. First of all, watching your mouth animate is mildly disturbing. I just want to say that. Um, it's true to life, too. But, uh, yeah, it reminds me of uh, the Preacher TV show, if you've seen that, that character. But anyway, um, no, this was before, um, you know, before the industry had the even crunch revolt, right? So, like... And given that it was Lucas, whether it was true or not, there was always this vibe, I think, that you could be replaced. Um, so people did yeah. work hard, you know, and um, I always tell people when I started there, you know, what, whenever year that was, um, it was, I think, 1991. There was about 60 people there. When I left, there was 350. So I did see a lot of growth. And 
you know, looking back on it, they probably wouldn't have replaced us. They just wanted to keep adding people and growing. And there was a lot of built up knowledge there, of course, as you kept working on different games. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely remember some all nighters we pulled. And I also, you know, like I kept pretty. I don't remember massive amounts of overtime per se. I remember staying after work and playing games, which a lot of people <laughs> did. And, you know, cause back then there was no internet per se till the end of it. And so people were playing like networked Quake or whatever after work and X Wing and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it did sort of direct me going forward that I wanted to try to avoid. I mean, let's, as the years went on at Lucas, crunch became more of a thing, for sure. I'm thinking of like the very early days, I guess, in my head. But as we went forward, and, and after I left, for sure, I heard from people that, you know, they would start projects and just be like, you know, working every Saturday is just to give in on this. And people would just be like, uh, what? So, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to avoid that kind of stuff as much as possible. And we have over the years in, in Happy Giants and <clears throat> the projects we've done at the end of the day it's games sometimes stuff happens and you have deadlines and you you know in inevitably uh you'll work sometimes on the weekend and we work hard during the week and i try to let people really for myself monitor their own hours the most important thing is just getting the work done and yeah. when you're working on a project this big, there's sort of a never-ending pile of it. So you do have to, and you know, also Happy Giant and my company before this, we've been working remotely for 15 years. So we were way ahead of this curve, I like to think, of the, the current <laughs> trend and everything. And so we knew, or you know, that there's certain principles you got to do when you work by yourself and or you'll get burnt out, you know, and sort of regulate yourself and take breaks and have somewhat regular hours when possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you probably should uh, jump into Sam and Max, which I don't know if Gruen had mentioned it to you, but I grew up with Sam and Max hit the road and I am a big Sam and Max fan. So I was That's very awesome. excited to see it come to VR. So. Hats off to you guys making this. Um, but I have a very important question for you. Uh -oh. Why was I lumpy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little subtle, but the idea is at the beginning, when you get hit with the dumpster, you got hit on the head. So you like have a well oh, so head, a kind of. So, yeah, so the Mac starts calling you lumpy and it just sticks. That's <laughs> fantastic. I thought it was just like, you know amusingly random i like that even better that's great <laughs> there's actually a lot of for hardcore fans you know there's a lot of dialogue in the game you might not have even heard playing the first time so there's some stuff like at the beginning for example if you don't lift your hands up they keep talking and they stay mm -hmm. i think it's there where they say like you know have you seen that lump on his head my god you know like and so they mm -hmm. refer to it there and a couple other places like if you don't if you don't uh take the gun from Max, the RPG in the beginning, you know, they'll keep talking for a while if you don't take the flyer from them. So there's kind of like, <laughs> if you don't do what you're supposed to immediately, there's a bunch of hidden dialogue and jokes. Just like in the first scene of the game when you're in the car, I've tried to tell fans on like our Discord and stuff, um, you know, if you just sit there, 
they keep changing. Sam keeps changing the radio station. So there's all kinds of little inside Sam and Mo- Sam and Max jokes we put in there from the past. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Actually, I I need to go back. I was actually just remember or realizing that I had played through a bunch of the ones that are on Steam before, and it's been long enough that I don't remember them very well. So it's about time to get to go play them again, like they're new, and I'll probably get a bunch more of the references that were in this one. So that'll be yeah, good. it's a little. It was one of our hidden goals of this, I guess, is just to bring back Sam and Max and with Skunk Ape doing it too it just will hopefully get people like just like you're saying hey i can go back and play those again it's been so long yeah so how was it that oh yeah go ahead grin i was gonna say did you have a connection to sam and max yourself or did this come out of the blue yeah so sure back to the lucas arts days so i was working at luke i started at lucas arts in qa um so that and i was really good i tell people who want to get industry into the industry that's one still one of the best places to start and in lucas arts in particular people who are really into the history of it may know but the, the the test pit as it was called was somewhat legendary um mainly for the smell no i'm just kidding but um <laughs> it uh it, it's a, it was a great place to learn about the industry and the different roles because when you know we were finding problems people then inevitably the programmers would come in and the art oh let me see what's the problem or you know there was some would communicate more than others but either way you were sort of thrusted into how game development worked at least at the end of the cycle but the first full game i really got to work on i was into art stuff i was taking uh classes on the side um that was i like to say my paying my dues period because i was i was really interning in the city at this video sort of non-profit place but it was allowed me to start learning photoshop and premiere which led to after effects and but you know this is so long ago that even learning photoshop was kind of a big deal and mm-hmm. when the art director found out I knew photo or I asked to use the <laughs> computers after work, the Macs they had, a few Macs to, to practice on. And that led to the art director um, asking me, oh, can you help us out with these projects? Uh, we need someone who knows Photoshop who could lay out these maps for Super Nintendo games. And I was like, sure. And, yeah. you know, one thing led to another. And I started talking about other things that we could do. And that led me to helping on a few other games i think the first rebel assault they helped bill tiller with a bunch of shots but ultimately the first full game i worked on start to finish was sam and max actually i kind of had to remind myself of that during this and so yeah my friend had worked on day of the tentacle who was also a tester in the role i was going to be art technician he um, wanted to be an animator, which I thank him for to this day. So he's like, hey, we need someone to be the art tech. You can do it. Trust me. I'll train you. And I was like, uh, 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 okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of crazy just thinking back. And I, I, I've told this story a few times, but for whatever reason, they sat me down next to Steve Purcell and said, you're going to sit here. And we were kind of like off in this corner near the window. And like the rest of the art team was a little bit away. And uh, back in those days, they kept the programmers and the artists completely separate. There was like two different animal types and different cages. And um, they were in a, they were in another building, you know, across 
the way. We were in B building, they were in A building. So anyways, needless to say, I got to know Steve very well. I sat next to him for 10 months. All I really remember is laughing at his jokes and him picking on the banjo and us bonding mm. over weird old TV shows that we both liked and him teaching me about Rick Baker and things I didn't know about, like, you know, visual effects stuff and little quirky things he was into. But yeah, and, and I was the one for whatever reason, because I was art tech. And so all the art went through my hands at the end. That's my only theory why I got sat next to him is because maybe he wanted to see everything before it was sent mm-hmm. over to the programmers and they did whatever. And so I was the guy every morning. I literally had to walk across the street with floppy disks and give them to Mike Stemley um, and Sean Clark, <laughs> who would then put them into the game. So, yeah, fast forward, you know, whatever, <laughs> however many years it's been, almost 30 or, uh, you know, I brought as many of those guys back to this game as I could. Stemley, Steve helped as much as he could, especially in the beginning. Peter Chan, um, who I've also had a relationship with forever, you know, the timing worked out for him to help. But to answer your question, yeah. So at the beginning, I'd always maintain a friendship with Steve. Uh, just when I saw something weird, like on Planet of the Apes, I knew we would like over the years, I'd email it to him. And you know, never mm. really asked to do anything Sam and Max before. And since we'd done big brands and all that over the years when this came about and I had the idea and I approached him with it, for whatever reason, he trusted me and <laughs> maybe just seemed, seemed like a good opportunity to bring them back because no one else was asking. So, lucky, yeah. you know, luckily enough for us, we got the opportunity and, and he allowed us to do it. So, yeah, it was, you know, some people don't realize it's the only. IP out of all those Lucas classics that Disney doesn't own because mm. Steve always maintained the rights. It was always a license deal um, between mm. him and, and Lucas. So yeah. it was the only one I knew I had a remote shot at, let's say, at least initially. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Huh. So do you guys have more VR Sam and Max games planned out or do you guys, are you just seeing how this one goes or uh, 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 what are you guys thinking? Definitely the former primarily. We want to see how this goes. VR is, is new and unknown and we want to see how sales go and how the, the greater audience reacts to it. You know, do we have other ideas? Absolutely. I mean, there were lots of ideas for DLC during this and sort of side adventures or even a whole new thing we could do. But we're all, you know, we're even interested in some of the other Lucas properties um, and taking them to VR or just bringing them back in in different ways. I mean, with this game, we made a choice at the beginning to make it very... <clears throat> a native VR game, I would call it, you know, uh, as opposed to some games which you can kind of tell they had the flat version port in mind from the beginning. I, I don't need to name mm-hmm. names, but um, and that's fine. I totally get that from a sales perspective, but I think it does, in my opinion, diminish the VR experience a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what was your what was your big uh, video game before? I mean, back in the day, what was that your, I like to play? Favorite? Yeah, or, or or that I worked on? No, that that you like to play, and then maybe yeah, the one you worked on too. But yeah, what was your addiction in the eighties? 
Oh, in the 80s. You want to go back that far? Um, Whatever. Yeah, I mean, we used to play in college a lot of um, the sports games, honestly. Um, Tech Mobile, my friend just sent me a whole you know, video, someone is, there's all kinds of retro tech mobile things coming out. I mean, I used to play, honestly, during the Lucas years, I was really into the X-Wing series and playing all those games as well. I also played, you know, all the games that came out back then. I mean, I would, I think, um, going back even further, like, you know, a, a lot of Atari and in television, mm-hmm. you know, we had both. Um, and I used to yeah. love those games as a kid. But, um, yeah, yeah as I, it was a lot of a mixture of different types. And also just as I got more into making games, it was sort of like, yeah, playing them and just sort of trying, getting to the point where I could fully understand what they're doing. And, yeah. you know, there's so many games, it's hard to get your head around everything that's going. Well, it's impossible almost. So. But I like to see the new cool stuff all the time. Yeah. So the so the game that you worked on, your favorite of the of those. Oh geez. I mean, one, Sam and yeah. Max does have a special place in my heart, obviously, because it was the first, and working with Steve was pretty. Yeah. Special. I mean, after that, uh, working on Full Throttle and and Secret of Monkey Island, doing a lot with the cutscenes was a lot of fun in those, and then. The last game I really worked on there was the the Jedi Knight series. Um, that was with a lot of video, but it was a mm-hmm. huge project and went on for a long time. We were really pushing the envelope. Oh, and I shouldn't forget the dig. I liked the dig a lot, too. That was pretty special, and we kind of pushed the envelope there in many places from an art and animation standpoint. So... Cool. I think, yeah. yeah, those were most of them. <laughs> and and what was your first intro to VR? Oh, boy. My first intro to VR, probably when I got the first, uh, was it, I guess, it was a Vive system. Um, the first Vive, um, I'm forgetting the exact name of it, but, you know, we had sensors and, um, you know, tethered and PC, all that, but... Mm-hmm. Got got to check out a bunch of titles and doing like the lab demo and um, there wasn't a ton you know of titles in the early days right and a lot of demos and very short things mm-hmm. but it was enough it was enough to be like okay this is cool um, I was not into being tethered and so mm-hmm. it sort of we 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 put it on I mean then the gear came out you know along the way. And we did bring our game Hollow Grid Monster Battle, this sort of Star Wars chess game we did with Phil Tippett through connections I had from Lucas still. Um, we did bring that to gear. So we had VR experience there. And then we'd worked with Qualcomm on some like prototype headsets as well. So we had VR experience. But then really, when I tried the Quest One, that was kind of the aha moment for me because i was just like okay i you know even though the graphics were still lower res you could see that this pattern you know could be much more mass market i thought than than others right 
Yeah. Even setting up the Guardian, you know, for the first time, I was kind of like, my God, this is so cool. <laughs> you know, I was like, just setting up a Guardian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I guess speaking of mass market, how were uh, you guys trying to, like, what was the, I guess, marketing campaign for Sam and Max like? That's been a kind of topic of discussion in general for us lately, is content promotion and such. So, yeah, what are, like, some highlight um, points? I mean, sure. It, it's tricky in a way with Sam and Max, right? Because we wanted to, we were very conscious of this making the game too, but, like, A, number one, we had to make sure the fans liked it which by and large so far the reviews have been very positive from the fans and we knew it was different for the fans at the same time right because it's like it's a new sam and max game but it's not going to be exactly (laughs) how you remember it and obviously a lot of those fans don't even have vr but but they're still going to watch it and be vocal online and critical about it and you know, with anything like a sort of license like this, which it really is, is like if you don't have that core fan base, you're in trouble in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to make sure we had that. But at the same time, we definitely took a lot of chances and made something different, being conscious that so many new users are on the quest who are A, new to VR, um, and B, we're going to have no idea who Sam and Max were. <laughs> So we had to straddle that line. And I mean, I think for the marketing, we tried to lean into the nostalgia of them and retro. Because even if you don't know who they are, if you hear about something, whoa, this amazing comic book people or, you know, whatever franchise that's been around for 30 years and I've never heard about this. Like, what's this all about? And so mm-hmm. might, uh, that might pull people in, you know, alone and the look and you know, is trying to make people understand, um, you know, it's not just like a kid's cartoon. <laughs> so by just showing some of the scenes and the, the dialogue we showed, um, but we learned as we went, uh, I'll be honest, like in the very early days and the thing about the game we made, you know, where it was, is a little different, right? It's very, it has a <laughs> lot of variety right in it right you can see a a clip of beat saber right a minute clip of beat saber and you're like okay i get what that game's about right our game we would show one thing early on and people would be like oh wait it's a game of obstacle courses and even up to the end because because people would see stuff new for the first time you know when we release like the the get a clue escape room level people would be like oh it's a game with escape rooms cool (laughs) so every time we'd sort of have to be like no, no, no. And finally, you know, on, on launch day, which we were sitting on it for a few months, it kind of killed me. But the launch trailer, I'm very proud of. And the guy we worked with, Derek Liu, um, did a great job. We worked together. Um, that, I think, shows off the full, one of the few things we have that fully shows off the scope of the game, you know, so that you can get your head around like, whoa, there's a lot in here. <laughs> um, so that was that was one of our big marketing levers on launch day. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, I guess while we're on the Sam and Max game topic again, you mentioned having the idea for it in general. Was that inspired by just like stumbling across tardigrades and just being like, these things are crazy. And just being like, I'm gonna make a game about aqua bears. 
Well, if I'm being honest, I've wanted to include tardigrades in a game for quite a while. We we had a <laughs> few other past concepts that nothing to do with Sam and Max that tardigrades were a part of that never got made. And there are I'd seen a few apps because I was at the time there was no tardigrades, but apps or games. But there are a few little quirky indie ones. But uh, no, with Sam and Max, I mean. It just sort of was one of these stars align things. I hate that phrase, but it just in terms of things coming together at the right time, A, me just having the idea about it, realizing there hadn't been a game for a long time, thinking it could be a nice conversion, you know, into VR, like, because they've always, you know, they conquer new media, as I like to point out to people, like they made comic books initially. And then it became a 2D game. Then they became 3D games. So to me, this is like VR is the natural evolution, mm -hmm. you know, in a way. Um, so yeah, that that's really kind of, you know, stepping back and, and looking at it. Like that's sort of how we, you know, viewed it. I think I've I was lost hoping, my train of thought there. Yeah. I, I was hoping the answer why you started Sam and Max in this company was because you opened a desk drawer and you found an old Sam and Max uh, floppy disk. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I do still have their floaty pen, which we got little merch of after the game, it, it, right up on my desk. And so, oh. you know, it's always sort of sitting yeah. there calling to me and I have other various <laughs> Sam and Max art. You know, it's never far from yeah. my mind. Let's put it that way. And I mean, honestly, too, if I'm being honest, I think it was looking at the VR landscape and just thinking, and, you know, we had to pitch this to Oculus and make a demo, and it was just like, yeah, we can mm -hmm. pitch something original they've never heard of, and we're going to be, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've seen this movie before, right? Like, we're going to get yeah. lost in a sea of titles, and I saw very few IP like this, and so it just seemed like a really good opportunity to hopefully stick out a little bit, for better yeah. or worse. <laughs> can, can I can I make a request for a, a video game? Joust. Sure. Can, can, can we get Joust on the VR? Oh my God, I love Joust. Yeah, I mean, I should have mentioned that too when you asked me about games because I did spend a lot of time in arcades as a kid. Can you imagine a lot of playing time. Joust in VR? That would be nauseating, but fun. Yeah, first person Joust. You'd have a lot of people puking. Yes. Yeah. That'd be one question. Well. And you could use the hoverboard from Sam and Max. So it... Yeah, there you go. Hoverboard oh. and some wings. You're all set. Yeah. So <laughs> so you can't thing. get rid of the ostrich. True. I'm down thinking of other arcade games you could do in VR, like Lunar Lander. That might be a little remember that one? It's like slower pace. You just had to land on the moon and not yeah. crash into a million yeah. pieces. <laughs> right. Or Galaga, where again you'd be Galaga, a lot, but yeah, yeah, maybe it could be a way. Yeah. I always consider the heavy motion sickness games as just training against having motion sickness. You're just building up immunity. Yeah. It, it, it is interesting you say that because, as you know, we started this. I was pretty. I was someone who was pretty prone to get sick. And there's no question as we made this game, you build up tolerance for that, you know? Um, yeah. And like initially we built this game with just teleport mode to walk around. 
And as we started to show footage, a lot of people said, are you going to have walk mode? Are you going to? So we were like, okay, we need to add walk mode. And at first that was, I was like, whoa, this is like, <laughs> makes me a little, and, but got used to it. And, you know, the, yeah, I mean, I, there's a couple scenes in this game, people who get queasy, a couple levels. Uh, I think they'll, you know, they may have to shut their eyes for a moment or two. Um, the hoverboard level is interesting. I've had a couple people tell me that freaked them out, but it, it, for, for me, that one doesn't make me sick at all because I think the key is in VR, when you're in total control of your movements, you know, it makes you less sick. Like when I'm standing on a platform, like in Vader or Mortal or even in our game, the one time, like when Max, I don't want to give away too much, but... When you get in Max's hand, um, you know, that's one time where you don't have control and he's moving you. That can be a little queasy at times. Right. Yeah. For, for some yeah. people. Yeah. He needs to know what's going on and why you're moving. Yeah. I mean, in the last, I don't know if you finished the game yet. I did. Yeah. I actually played it twice. Okay. <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. We're, by the way, we released a patch this morning with a ton of fixes. Um, Oh, cool. But um, oh, yeah, th that one you. part at the oh. end, I won't give it away, but where you have to climb out and you're pretty high up, I, mm -hmm. I, have, I have fear of heights. And when we started that, oh, my God, my palms would get sweaty every time I had to test that. And it was just like nerve wracking. But I, I like <laughs> to say this game kind of cured my fear of heights, at least in VR. That's great. Jackpot. Yeah. Yeah. VR. yeah. <laughs> right. So, so this could be Who promoted knew? as, yeah, tackling other issues not just having fun oh yeah and i, uh, I also think it's a it's a hidden fitness game too because like a lot of the levels you know where you're moving the obstacle courses uh they they get you sweating a little bit mm -hmm. yeah, i definitely also punched my ceiling quite a few times when i oh no i'm six five and i have to when i'm climbing oh, wow. it's like, oh sorry ceiling it's <laughs> oh no wait, wait when you were climbing yeah yeah it was worth it. Ouch. I've done it. <laughs> My office is like an A-frame roof, and when I play room scale, sometimes you know, I get too close to one of the, the roofs, I've bumped my head into it. It's not fun. Yeah, unlucky. Were you going to ask, Gruen? No, I was going to say, do you have any, two things really, do you have any advice for people that want to get into the world of, of VR game creation, and uh, then just kind of what, what things you have on the horizon that you'd like to talk about and then sure sure uh boy if you want to get into vr creation i mean i guess you know it depends at what level and what your ambitions are if you just want to learn how to do it and become a developer and then work for another studio making a game i think you know learning unity is probably the most used tool um for for these kind of experiences um i do think you know, the future, it's hard to say how far out it is, but I think we have like a web XR future too in store. I don't know if you guys have ever used like Mozilla Hubs or something like that. It's not as cool as this, not even close, but where will it be in a year or two? You know, mm -hmm. and when people can jump in on any device, you know, it's, that's pretty powerful. Right. Um, and I was pointing that out because that's like a whole, other set of skills in way in a way than unity and to be honest mozilla hubs is incredibly easy to use and set up like you could have a room set up in under half an hour pretty customized and 
have no coding knowledge at all. So that that's, you know, if you're really brand new at it, that's an interesting place to start. And yeah, I think learning Unity is uh, probably your best bet. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, developing on a Quest, I, I really don't think it matters in some way whether you're on PC, VR, or Quest um, to start. Quest, mm -hmm. I think, has the biggest market by far, which is amazing, but just also a little scary. Um, you know, we hope other platforms will emerge, and we're going to be obviously taking this to Steam VR very soon this summer, uh, hopefully, and PSVR um, at the latest by very early 2022, hopefully before the holidays, if we can hit it. Um, so yeah, but you know, there other platforms we may be announcing soon as well, um, just as the space expands, which is great because it has to, and you know, hopefully mm -hmm. sales sales will continue um, for game developers, and you know, the, the ad experiment yeah. was a little uh, didn't seem to go that well, but you know, I get the basis behind it of trying to generate more revenue for developers because it is still a smaller right. community compared to the bigger. Uh, bigger gaming space and yeah to answer your question about what we're going to do next we don't know <laughs> we're mm -hmm. looking at several things um and we're definitely not you know we want to see how this does mm -hmm. um and trying to look at things also like i was just talking about that could be on all platforms that everyone could experience and play like true cross-platform gaming where you're playing with people in VR or they're not in VR, possibly. So um, yeah. that that interests me, you know, and sort of mass mass accessibility until everyone mm -hmm. has headsets. <laughs> right. right, which may never happen, but... It may not, but I think Apple's going to do something eventually. There's too many rumors. And, you know, coming from AR, where we really got started with all this stuff and, and worked with Magic Leap and Niantic and others, I mean... I still believe in that future, but that's going to take even longer than VR. You know, um, when Apple comes out with something, if they do allegedly, um, mm -hmm. it's going to take years for it to become a big enough, have a big, big enough user base that game developers can make money. But we, having played in that space, whether it was on glasses ahead of, you know, like HoloLens or just on mobile, that's exciting too. Um, it's just, you know, hope I'm around to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Apple's definitely going to come out with something. And it's the, the question is, is it going to be like the iPhone of VR or the Lisa? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's supposedly they have multiple projects internally. So no one really knows. Is it going to yeah. be VR, AR combined? you know, messaging yeah. tool, Google Glass. It's, it'll be yeah. interesting. Yeah, once you can plug into your brain chip, everybody's got VR, so. Right, that's that's a good point. Contact yeah. lenses. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the contact lenses will be really cool one, yeah. Hopefully, that's a sooner than later thing, but probably later. It's a little but scary. Be very cool. have, you, have you seen that Black Mirror episode where the... the, uh, yeah. the they could rewind anything that just happened. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's a little scary. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I've seen all those. Yeah, Black Mirror does a good good job of making everyone wary of technology and of a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So what was your favorite part of the game if you played it or either of yours? Ooh, probably so, hmm. So really, like in TMMX games in general, I really like the general like solving puzzles kind of stuff. And so maybe Nutri Hole, uh, where you're in the mart. Yep. Yeah, that yep. kind of felt like the most like classic Sam and Max kind of thing, where it's like you have to figure out what to do with each of these things. And yeah. Yep. I, I yep. That, that that's good. definitely that definitely had a classic feel. Funny enough, that level is probably the one that we've gotten the most emails or questions about for people needing help, reviewers who couldn't get past it, etc. In the update, we added a little bit more to the hints to make it a little easier. But that's the fine line with like puzzles, and that's why we, in some ways, we didn't want to make an entire game like that. Like we. You know, that was sort of the downfall of a lot of the adventure games is people could be stuck very early on and we wanted to kind of ramp people up to that, you know. And I think one of the secret little hidden things I like to think of this game for hardcore kind of adventure gamers is is like you, you play some of these courses, you know, which vary from physical to mental. There are courses that are more adventure gamey, like Get a Clue. But after you do a few of them, you're kind of rewarded a more traditional adventure game type scene, like the the tox level, neutral hole, and then like the whole ending of the game we feel is more, it brings it all together. You're using all the different skills, but it is sort of more adventure story driven at that point. What did you think of the final level of the game before the graduation? The Oops. But, you know, the, the, the big action uh, sequence. Wait, before graduation? The final level would like be way after. Street, oh, street oh, end. Oh, the street real ending, graduation. Street end. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, got yeah. It. Uh, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was fun. And it did bring it all together. I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the final yep. graduation, there's a little Easter egg that no one seems to have found yet. So I'm waiting to see who who figures Ooh. that out. It's a, Well, that might be not me. I, it's very I minor. Couple... I'm... I, I'm making a bigger deal out of it than it is, maybe, but it's a little <laughs> thing we put well, in. I'm gonna there. go find it. I'm gonna find it before this uh, goes live. So, yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, just real quick for neutral, I did. Uh, I was very convinced. Well, I'll just. It's not a spoiler because it's the wrong answer. Uh, I so they were like, "There's a demon in Isle too," and so I was like, "Oh, of course it's gonna be the holy water." So I did get stuck for a bit. They're like, I, "I'm gonna." figure out how to use this holy water and <laughs> nope. there there was a lot there was a lot of debate about that for sure uh, in particular why won't holy water work on all demons but yeah we sort of one of those classic well it's not going to be the obvious thing dummy so we you know, <laughs> sort of put yeah. it there as a false flag to use and you know yeah in classic adventure game nonsensical format combining things with other things etc um yeah well i, I did like tip it. you off yep. uh i guess my last question is um your avatar was it made by the same artists that did the sam and max uh this model? guy yeah this guy right here oh no i went to ready player me because uh they i i'm on their email list you know the, that company that makes avatars 
and mm. um, they had to have to Google it. Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and they were like, "Oh, now we support VR chat," and it was right around the time we were talking. So I was just like, "Oh, let me try to see if that works." Um, yeah, the, it's pretty you cool. See the poster. See yeah, the poster I know. Right I was like, there? "Yeah, yeah." Now, I, oh. believe me, I'm like, I need huh. to be better dressed to this party. Um, <laughs> it's like that commercial they're running with a woman thinks she's going to a costume party. And no one else is, but it's the opposite of that. Um, <laughs> I, no, I think you look great. That's a great uh, avatar. Good Why, job. Thanks. Agreed. Um, no, it's you should try it because all you do is give it your photo, and it can yeah. like make it with AI based on your photo. So and then you can tweak it. That's really nice. cool. Speaking of VR ads, oh yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that does it for <laughs> this segment. Uh, would you like to uh, uh, say anything at the end? Shout anything out? Um, just. Check out the game. If you're a fan of Sam and Max, we think you'll love it. I mean, for me personally, that's, again, one of the reasons I knew we had to make is when we first did our demo and I walked into their office, stood next to them, I was like, fans are going to, I mean, I flipped out. So I think fans will love it. If you've never heard of Sam and Max, check it out. It, it is different. You know, there's no question. I mean, the I think I appreciate the comedy now more than I did 30 years ago. It's very subtle and intelligent comedy and it can be deceiving because at the same time it's slapstick kind of mixed with that so there really isn't much out there like it and yeah check out the game and uh always give us feedback we're always open we're always improving it and uh committed to making it as cool as possible yeah awesome well thanks so much for joining us it's been good thanks for having yeah. me i'm gonna go find that uh easter egg Oh God! Okay. I, if you can't find it, I'll give you a hint because it's uh, it's very Wait. it's subtle. We we should have a prize for whoever finds the Easter egg. Here's the hint. Here's the hint. Don't look for it. Mm. Use one I of your other sense. Use one of your other senses. Intriguing. I like it. Okay. Huh. Okay. It's a VR thing, so you guys should like it. Nice. I'm gonna go look for All it. Right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was Michael Levine with Happy Giant, and they brought Sam and Max to VR. I thought that was interesting. He's got a great uh, story, kind of a, a lucky start for uh, to be able to start at uh, Lucas, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's really cool. And I thought it was really interesting that he actually started with Sam and Max, but I I hadn't realized he just went with... Sam and Max, it sounds like, because, I mean, obviously, it'd be more top of mind for him since he started with Sam and Max as the first game he was working on. But I just thought it was interesting that it was just an available, established name so that you don't get lost in the sea of quest games. People know Sam and Max and mm -hmm. will be inclined to give it a shot. I thought that was really interesting. So Yeah. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what they do next. Yeah, I I am really hoping they do more Sam and Max games because, I mean, it sounds like it's just a matter of they took up the reins and <laughs> made it. So I I like Sam and Max a lot, and I think they did it justice. So I want to see more Sam and Max. <laughs> so I hope that's what they pick. But I hope he does with Joust. Yeah, actually. He can take a Sam and Max intermission to make Joust for you. That would be pretty fun. Okay. Yeah. I'll allow it. <laughs>
Thank you. But I thought it was really interesting that he just wanted to make a game about tardigrades. It's like the stars aligned so hard for this. That's actually so wild to me because I can't think of a lot of games that can have such a wild theme as Sam and Max games can have. Because like, <laughs> what you can't make like a James Bond game <laughs> about tardigrades. You just can't. Or <laughs> I, I don't know what else it would be. So I mean, unless it's just off the wall, same type of humor as Sam and Max, but just a new thing. So can you explain yeah. tardigrades for the people at home that don't know what a tardigrade is? Or the people these, sitting next to you? <laughs> there are these tiny, tiny microorganisms that are crazy. They're like super duper hard to kill. They can live all over the place, like in hotter climates, colder climates than like anything else. They're just these wild little microorganisms, but they look like little bears. So they're called like water bears or whatever sometimes. And in salmon they're referred to as aqua bears so it's not like they're never called tardigrades in the Sam and Max game but you know what they are because they're also becoming like they're going from being microscopic to full size in the game as part of the plot so it's like it's you know what they're doing so yeah okay what we do now yeah (laughs) so you're welcome that's your uh, crummy lesson on tardigrades because i also didn't go i didn't get a phd in tardigrades so yeah (laughs) but yeah i skipped that class i went past fail (laughs) Mm, that's probably smart yeah but yeah we we can keep this outro pretty short because we did talk to him for a while, which was great, obviously. And I guess, do you have any closing thoughts before we let the people go on their merry way? No, I would say let's uh, let's do this again, maybe in a month. Yeah, that, that works for okay. me. Actually, here, I, I'm going to throw Back myself up. a softball with that because I do have closing thoughts. Um, now, just one thing that I wish had happened with the Sam and Max game. So no spoilers. It's uh, I'll, I'll avoid sharing spoilers in the podcast in case you haven't played the game. But essentially, there are multiple sets of mini games and they are fun. And Sam and Max are being funny during them. But for me, as someone that was one of the fans of the OG Sam and Max games, I would have enjoyed it if they'd it would have been so easy to make it so that these mini games actually were part of the plot and not just mini games or and they did integrate what happens with these mini games into the actual game so it's like you're practicing mechanics for the game but like there are these things where you have to like run through these obstacle courses and for that it's like maybe you're chasing this villain that comes up or if you're or solving an escape room, or, sure. Or if you're solving an escape room, maybe Max ate the keys or whatever, and you're just trapped in a room and you have to get out so you can help them solve whatever. It, you know, it's just like pretty doable to integrate the actual mini games into the actual story. So that would have been my only like, it's not even a complaint. It's just like, it was fun, but it could have been just a slight improvement from my perspective for that. So I don't know. Just that. Okay, well, so what what do you give the game 
on a scale of one to a billion. I'm super biased. I really like Sam and Max. You would have to do a really bad job at Sam and Max for me to not like it. So I'll give it somewhere up toward a billion. I'll I'll give it the upper millions, you know, 900 million. Trillions, something. I mean. Right. It was billions, then trillions. You, yeah. Yeah. So you you went to a billion. So yeah, upper million. Sorry. Yeah. I jumped to trillions. But trillions Sorry. would have been really intense out of a billion. That would have been. Yeah. The perfect game. But, uh, <laughs> it, it was good, though. It was good. I did enjoy it. It was good. a fun game. Good. So, well, I enjoyed yeah. Michael Levine's time with us, and hopefully we'll get to meet him again. Yeah. All right. All right. Enjoy, everybody. Have a good one. Catch you later, Internet.